Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Bible Said What podcast. My name is Elizabeth. I am your host. If you would like to get to know a little bit more about me, a little bit more about the podcast, be sure you go check out our social media at Bible Said What with underscores between the words. Well, here we are. Happy Thursday. I hope you guys are staying warm. There was a bunch of places who got a bunch of snow this week. Alabama, sadly, was not one of them. We got a little frost, but we didn't get a lot of snow. However, we did get a day off of school, which was wonderful because I was behind on podcasting. If you were paying attention, you probably noticed why did I release an episode on Tuesday instead of Thursday? (laughs) That is because I meant to post that episode last Thursday, but it was the first week back with classes. I'm involved in this really big school event called Stepsing, and it takes up a lot of time. And so podcasting, I was just not able to prioritize that the week before as I had hoped. So yes, it was posted Tuesday, and today I'm recording this on Wednesday for this to be posted tomorrow on Thursday. So, a little bit crazy, but hey, we're getting on a schedule. We're getting back into the swing of things. Like I mentioned on our last episode, I'm pre-recording some things for February with some amazing guests. I cannot wait to introduce you guys to them. We have some awesome topics coming up. But for now, we are going to be continuing on in our series in the book of Romans. So last episode, we went through Romans 1 through 3, and I highly encourage you to go listen to the last episode if you've not gotten the chance to do so yet. That gives an overview of the context of Romans as well as the first three chapters. And now we are going to be doing a deep dive into chapters 5 through 8 on this episode. These chapters that we're going through are some of my favorite in the entire Bible. There is so much content in these chapters. I'm going to try my best to hit all of the high points, but in a 30-minute episode, it's just not possible. This is one of those episodes I really wish that I had planned ahead for and broken up into two, maybe even three, because this is the, the passages of scripture where I could take like 10 verses at a time and just completely break it down um, and the Lord would just blow our minds. But we are going to do five through eight. We're going to hit it. We're going to see the main themes and the topics, which in themselves are just incredible. So yeah, I'm really excited to go through these passages with you guys. And with that being said, let's get into it. Last episode, we covered Romans chapters 1 through 3, and the main theme that Paul presents in those chapters is that the Jews and the Gentiles are all equally broken by sin and therefore all equally need the gospel of salvation. Today, we're going to be talking about chapters 5 through 8, and we are going to learn about how we have new life through Christ. And what Paul is saying to the church in Rome at this time is whenever you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you die to your sin and you become a new creation. And so, we have this new humanity the Lord brought through Jesus Christ. And it's all about how we are slaves to righteousness and how we have life through the Spirit. So that is what we're going to be talking about today. Before I get into chapter 5, we're going to start in chapter 5, verse 13 in just a second. I want to preface with some parallels to the Old Testament, some parallels to Genesis that Paul is about to talk about. In this passage, Paul talks about how there is death through Adam and then life through Christ. So what this is referencing is the sin that Adam and Eve brought into the world, and that is what brought death. But we have life through Christ, who through the power of salvation, took all of our sin and death away. 
And you may have heard Jesus be referred to as the second Adam. And this reminds me of one of the coolest descriptions of the Bible that I've heard. I learned this from my biblical foundations teacher in London whenever I was studying abroad. She described the Bible as the story of three trees. And she used this to emphasize how the entire Bible is one cohesive story. Of course, the first tree is the tree of life in Genesis. And that was the first tree that changed the entire narrative of scripture. Through that tree, Adam and Eve brought sin and death into the world. Then the second tree is the cross that Jesus died on. That was the second tree that completely changed the course of scripture. Whenever Jesus died on the cross, um, that redeemed the fallen, the fallenness that the first tree had introduced into the world. And the third tree is the tree of life in Revelation. And we have access to that tree of life through accepting what Jesus did on the second tree. And so as we go through this passage of scripture, I want you to keep that illustration in mind because I think it is just so cool. We're going to start reading in Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, in this way death came to all people, because all sinned. We are going to skip over to verse 16. Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of one man death reigned through that one man, How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. So what this passage is saying is, yes, sin was brought to the entire world through one man because that sin multiplied and grew and we carried it through generations. But in that same way, the actions of one man cleansed generations and generations of that sin that Adam had brought into the world. And of course, we know that that one man is Jesus Christ. Just like verse 19 says, For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. And so that's the parallel of the first two trees in the story of Scripture. Through the first tree, Adam and Eve brought sin into all of the world, but through the second tree, through a supreme act of obedience and love, Jesus redeemed thousands of generations of that sin. Moving on to chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have new life. And so what Paul is saying here is he's saying, hey, just because we have this amazing gift of grace from the Father does not mean that we still live in the same way that we were. We don't still idolize the things that we idolize. We don't live in this worldly, fleshly way anymore. We are free of that. I've heard a lot of good old Southern Baptist pastors refer to this as fire insurance. You know, you don't just go get your fire insurance and then go start start lighting matches everywhere. Whenever we accept the grace and the love of Jesus, it completely transforms our lives. And whenever we look at sin, we don't see it the same way. We talked about this a little bit in the last episode, so definitely go go check that out. But whenever we, um, whenever we are buried with Christ and raised into this new life, we are made new. 
And so we look at the old and our old sin should break our hearts because it breaks God's heart. It's like if you woke up in the morning and took a selfie of yourself and you know, you got crazy hair, you know, you're, you got, you kind of got the sleepy in your eye. And then you take a picture of yourself after you've, you know, showered, you've done your hair, you put on, you know, your makeup, whatever cute outfit. Whenever you look at the old picture of yourself, you're like, oh, I look a little grungy. I look a little, I look a little crusty (laughs) because you have put on this new image that is uh, a more clean and refined version of you. And then you go out into the world and show your, and show that version um, of yourself to the world. That's how it is. Whenever we're made new in Christ, we should look at our old self and be like, oh, she was crusty. She was a little, a little rusty and dusty up in the sin there. These next verses that I'm going to read, I'm skipping over to verses 15 through 19, still in chapter 6, but these verses I'm about to read remind me of a conversation that I had with my roommates a couple nights over, so I'll tell you about it after I read. Verse 15 says, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slave to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. What me and my roommates were talking about the other night is how we were created as creatures of worship. Because of that, we are naturally inclined to praise and to submit ourselves under the things that we love. And God created us with that dynamic in this perfect relationship where he loved us and we loved him. But that was broken in that worshipful heart posture that we were created with got distorted and we shifted that focus into these earthly worldly things that only lead us into death. And so that is how we became slaves that walked into death by the chains that we created is we created idols of our pride or in the Old Testament, what Paul is referencing is, you know, literal idols back in Genesis, but What basically what Paul is saying here is he's like, we were created for worship and we have to redirect that instinct back onto the initial relationship it was created to be in. It's kind of like whenever (laughs) I'm making another camp reference. I know I make a bunch. It's like whenever you have a student at camp or if you're a teacher, maybe in a classroom or maybe if you babysit and that kid has so much energy, you know, they are, you know, bouncing off the walls and you know that they are creative, they are intelligent and that energy, whenever it's harnessed, could be used in a really productive way. Basically, that's what Paul's saying here. He's like, okay, guys, let's let's take this back to the original root of what it was created for let's use this same energy but focus it back onto our creator and so let's keep that worshipful mindset but instead of being slaves to sin which lead you into death you are now slaves to righteousness which leads you into freedom in the proper relationship with god our worship submits us to the authority that leads us into love into his perfect presence. That is the main theme of Romans chapters 5 through 6 is that whenever we accept salvation, we are made new. And when we are made new, we submit not to the authority of the world because that leads into death. We submit to God's authority and this new humanity plus submission to the proper divine authority equals this freedom that surpasses 
any understanding. And so at this point, the Jewish people are reading this and they're probably like, well, then why did we have the law? Why have we had the law for all of these years? And remember, the law can refer to two things. Paul can, whenever Paul refers to the law, it can mean one of two things. It can either mean the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, which is, you know, the narrative of the Israelites, or it can also mean the actual law, like the rules and regulations that the Jewish people were given to follow. And Paul is talking about the rules and the regulations in this passage. And so basically what Paul is saying is that the law was given so that we could be aware of our sin. And so it would point out the inconsistencies of the world as we lived for the Lord. And also the law was given to show that it doesn't matter how much good you do. Nothing of the world can save us in the same way that Jesus saves us through salvation. And so I'm going to briefly read a couple, oh, I almost dropped my Bible. I'm going to briefly read a couple verses from chapter seven. Verse 22 says, For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging a war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work in me. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body that is subjected to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus our Lord. What this passage is saying is that Paul delights in the law. The law was good things. The Lord gave the Israelites the law to follow. However, that is not what saves us from this sinful nature that we have. That is only found through Jesus. So now we're going to move on into chapter 8. I know we are going so fast. I hate that this is such a brief overview, but I seriously highly, highly encourage you to go and break this scripture down for yourself. I'll show you my Bible. She is like, she is all lit up. So if, (laughs) so that just shows you how much I'm skipping over and how much it absolutely pains me to be just blowing over it so much. But we're going to continue on in chapter 8. And chapter 8 talks about how when we join this new humanity redeemed through Jesus, we inherit that same power over sin and death. And this is because we have the Holy Spirit to help us in our weakness, Jesus to intercede for us, and a Father who loves us so much that He gave us both of those. So we're going to start reading in chapter 8 verses 1 through 3. That says, Therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what was the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh. God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering, and so He condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That was one through four, but you know, we went for it. We're going to skip over to verses 12 and 13. And that says, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit, you will put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Skipping over to verse 24. For in this hope, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we not yet have, we wait 
for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through worldless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Skip one more time with me to verse 31. This is so good. (laughs) What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He He who did not spare his own son, but gave up but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Skipping down to verse 37. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor the present time nor the future, nor the powers nor the height nor the depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, I mean, if that does not get you fired up for the gospel, I do not know what does. So that is what this scripture is saying, is that Jesus conquered sin and death. The Lord has power over everything on earth. And we were once bound by the shackles of that sin. We were headed straight to death. But whenever the Lord came and Jesus died and offered that grace, whenever we accept that grace, we inherit that same power, not through our power, but through God's power. We were created as God's children. And as soon as we messed up, he made a plan to come and redeem us so that we could inherit, re-inherit that eternal life that we were initially created for. And so because of that, the Lord um, says, hey, Nothing on this earth, nothing can separate you from my love. I just proved it because here is the story of three trees. Here's this entire master plan of how I, I, I chose to redeem you and I chose to, br- to bring you back to me. One of the most powerful camp stories that I've had just the blessing of witnessing was a student who I'm not going to go into details because privacy, I'm going to be vague. Just stay with me here. It was a student who thought that he was basically too far gone, and he he had never accepted Christ. He wanted to. He was really excited to, but as I, as I was talking him through, you know, praying for salvation, he interrupted me, and he's like, I don't want to go back to the way that I was, and I was like, that's, that's exactly the point. <laughs> Great mindset. Let's keep that up, um, but I'm, I'm just kidding. We kept talking through kind of what that looked like to be, first of all, made new. Like Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, what does it look like for the old to go and the new to come? And then to accept this new power is more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Because we are still going to face those trials. But Paul says here, whenever we face those trials, we have the Spirit helping us in our weakness. And when we do mess up, because we still live in a broken world, Jesus is there to intercede for us, sitting at the right hand of the Father, who loved us so much, he provided both of those things. Does that make sense? And I'm not going to try to explain the Trinity, because no one can. But that is the goodness of God. 
kind of rambled at the end there. I hope it made sense, but that was really awesome in my little heart. So that was a very, very brief overview of Romans chapters 5 through 8. I hope this serves as kind of a devotion to uh, motivate and encourage you to go and get in your word today. And I really hope that you guys have an amazing rest of your week. I can't wait to come back next week and continue to dig into this amazing epistle, this amazing work of scripture with you guys. Yeah. All right. See you next week.